Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Third down and goal from the two-yard line with nine seconds left. No timeouts for Ole Miss. State is stacked in tight. Two receivers right, two to the left, the wide side of the field. There's a snap. Here comes pressure. There's the pass. It's caught and in the end zone. Touchdown for Ole Miss. It's Elijah Moore with the grab, and the Rebels are a PAT from tying it. Their flags are flying all over the place for the celebration. Oh, my goodness. Elijah Moore. This is a 35-yarder. Snap is down. Kick is away. I think he missed it. He missed it. He missed it. He missed it. Wide right. State hangs on to win by one. 21-20 over Ole Miss. In the 92nd battle for the Golden Egg. Here at the Yahoo Sports College podcast, we like to celebrate this great sport by constantly remembering and honoring its most iconic moments. The four horsemen outlined against that blue gray sky, Red Grange galloping, Herschel Walker leaping. Desmond Howard, Heisman posing. Hail Flutie. Finch Young racing to a corner of the Rose Bowl. Nevin Shapiro hosting stripper parties on his yacht. Oh, way to slip that in there. <laughs> Bo shaking tacklers. Tebow's jump pass, the kick six. And then the creme de la creme. A, stand- a standard in which all moments are measured. The time old Mrs. Elijah Moore scored what appeared to be the game tying touchdown in the 2019 Egg Bowl only to then celebrate (laughs) by mimicking a urinating dog. It drew an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, pushed the extra point back, which was then missed, giving Mississippi State the glory of victory in the Egg Bowl. (laughs) We are almost one year removed from that, and we have to take time. Pat Forty, where were you when the urinating dog became part of college football lore? I I remember it because I boy I mean you just don't see that every decade. <laughs> I was sitting in my living room watching and seeing Mississippi drive down the field and just thinking, oh my gosh, Joe Moorhead's going to get fired because he's going to blow this game. And you know they just in one play after another after another, and they're making and then. You know, they throw the touchdown pass to Elijah Moore, who, by the way, here in 2020 is leading the nation in receiving yards. He's a very good player, uh, but he scores. And then he starts crawling over and lifts the leg. <laughs> and right then and there, I was like, oh, my God. This has always been the most insane, deranged, unhinged, unhealthy rivalry. I've always said it's like two people clawing each other's eyes out to finish fifth in the West. (laughs) And (laughs) they push the extra point back. And right then and there, I said, they, they, they have unleashed the mummy's curse. Karma will not allow that extra point to be made. There's just no way that the Egg Bowl will reward the fake dog pee. And then it's missed, and then you I mean, you could not believe what you just saw. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone other than, of course, <laughs> everyone who roots for Ole Miss. <laughs> and obviously, just 
the, the single best reverberation out of that is both coaches got fired after the game. <laughs> Moorhead got fired for almost blowing it. And then Matt Luke, who was just a ceremonial alum, good old boy placeholder, and who actually didn't do a terrible job in that role of being the placeholder, he gets gassed too, all within a week. Like $10 million in buyouts come. I mean, it is, it is the lifted leg heard around the Magnolia State. <laughs> Uh, well, never to be duplicated. And the glory is every Thanksgiving, we get to see it over and over <laughs> and over. I don't think ESPN has ever replayed a highlight more than they replayed <laughs> that highlight over Thanksgiving weekend last year. Nor should I mean, it. the good thing is after that bit of lunacy that call that old Miss day brought in a bunch of sane by the book people <laughs> like Mike oh, Leach yeah. and Lane yeah. Kiffin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, literally after the the dog pee, the piss and miss, as it's called down there, they piss and miss. <laughs> <laughs> not early. Well, whoever probably, termed yeah. it the piss and miss was on his game yeah. that day. I tip my hat to whoever that is. Yeah. Um, the piss and miss. They decide to ramp up the crazy. They just ramp it up and go, ah, let's just bring in Leach. All right, you're bringing Leach. We're going to bring in Kiffin. That's it. It's like nuclear armor. I mean, what is going to happen this year? And yes, Pat, they do fight harder because when there's nothing to fight over, the fights are always harder. Have you not watched bum fights on YouTube? Like those things are scraps. Okay. Those are scraps. In point of fact, I have not watched bum fights you throw on a YouTube, piece but of, I know you, you have. Throw a I am piece, sure you have. You throw a piece of Luger's filet mignon in front of two New York stockbrokers and they're like, yeah, I'll get my own. You throw, you know, you throw a scrap of pizza between two guys that are starving. They're going at it. That is uh -huh. Mississippi. This is all they have. <laughs> now, I want to go one thing on the young Elijah Moore who's doing a terrific job this season. I believe he's wrongfully prosecuted. Wow. I mean, what what is unsportsmanlike like a dog going to the bathroom? That's how God <laughs> made it. It's not offensive. Wasn't well, it a DK Metcalf bit? Didn't isn't that where he yeah. got it? Didn't DK yeah, Metcalf? Yeah, he got do it? DK Metcalf did it and got flagged for it. And then Elijah yeah, Moore said, Well, I'll get flagged for it too. With the uh, game. I should have known then. All right, all right. Should have known. Should have known. Yeah. Can't you see that see, NFL draft conversation at the Combine in Indy this year in the hotel suite? So Elijah, what <laughs> was going through your mind at the end of the angle? Let's try the Barry Sanders routine of handing the ball to the ref yeah. and act like you've been there before or you're going to get cut. I hope Bill yeah. Belichick gets an interview with Elijah Moore. Oh, so be on yeah. a fly in the wall over that. You might bring him yeah. in just just to ask him. Right. I've been coaching since 1975, son. <laughs> I've seen it all except that. I would take him over to kill Harry, though. So maybe he does need to interview him. Guy can play. Uh, I hope he comes back and yeah. scores four TDs. Uh, yeah, it the is a total of Elijah Moore. Oh, <laughs> Rick Cleveland's already got the, <laughs> got the lead <laughs> chopped out. My, my favorite egg bowl story, which I've told before on this podcast is my dad and I went to the Alabama, Iron, uh, the Alabama Auburn game once the uh, iron bowl. I took him to the iron bowl in Tuscaloosa. And after the game, we drive, we're flying out of Memphis. So we drive back and we stop in Tupelo, Mississippi for the night. We go to a bar restaurant near the hotel. And so the game is still four days away, five days away, because it's played on Thanksgiving night. And there were two brawls in the bar <laughs> over the Egg Bowl. The guys fought. They got in an argument. They went outside and fought. Then they came back. They let them back in. And then the, 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 the chirping got heated up again. They went back out. So they finally threw one of the participants in the back of a pickup truck and drove them away. And then the winners <laughs> of the fight came back in again. The bar still wasn't throwing anyone out. And we're like, what is you guys? The game ain't even for five days. It's just another Sunday in Tupelo, man. You know, never sleeps in Tupelo. We know what's no. going to happen down there, man. Head on a swivel. Head on a swivel. Yeah. When it's Egg Bowl week, darn right. You're darn this year's right. Egg Bowl game, uh, Lane Kiffin has proposed a side bet between him and Mike Leach, uh, man of really? the men of the people that they are. Way to read the room down there in Mississippi. Uh, the loser, let's say, no, whoever wins the game has to be the one who pays for a private plane to jet them to their uh, beach houses down in Florida. 
Whoever really? wins the okay. game has to be the one who pays for the plane. I don't know what sure. it would seem like loser should pay, but because of course, if there's one thing I think about when I think of the people of Mississippi, it's private planes <laughs> yeah, and vi- private planes. I was going to say, very, uh, you know, that's just what I was going to say. In touch with, in touch with their fan bases for sure. A sign you're paying your football coach too much <laughs> is when you're ranked 49th in education spending, or whatever they do. <laughs> Uh, it is a beautiful rivalry, and uh, I hope they. I it's going to be great, right? What what can we expect this year? Got anything? I did. You know what? I I read the uh, the transcript of Kiffin's uh, press conference Monday, and I was really severely disappointed that that it was pretty bland. It's like, come on, Lane, you were not hired to be bland on Egg Bowl week. You have got to ratchet it up. We need we need some stuff from these guys. He may be saving his good ammo for Twitter, but. Whatever happens, whoever wins that game afterwards, the social media stuff is going to be, it'll be primo. One of the interesting things about Leach is he is this like wacky character and kind of this caricature and he has this crazy offense, but he is one of the most defiantly deadpan people that I've ever been around. Like he talks in like the same low voice when he's excited, when he's mad, et cetera. He's just kind of has like, he is just sort of flat. Now he'll say very funny things. And, you know, he'll take some jabs like after that LSU game. He was basically like, well, of course we kept throwing over the top. They kept playing us in, you know, press man. But for, for the most part, Leach is not – there's nothing excitable about Mike Leach. It, it's, a, it's a weird way, whereas, whereas Kiffin obviously can get wound up a little bit. All right. Well, look, if we want to get into heated uh, back and forths and uh, total lunacy, let's go to, uh, in classic college football fashion, a game that wasn't even played. Oh, yeah. Uh, we – talked a little about this on Sunday uh, for the the uh, overreaction Monday, but it had really heated up. And days later, Dabo Sweeney is still going off on it. Clemson flies down to Tallahassee. They find a player who has tested positive on Friday, a quote unquote reserve offensive lineman, according to Dabo. Florida State decides to call off the game. Dabo then accuses Florida State of basically implying he says it was the game was not canceled due to covid covid was a reason to cancel the game basically says the fsu administration canceled the game uh, ostensibly because they didn't want to watch the seminoles get curb stomped by clemson mike norvell first year coach the seminoles came back and demanded that it was indeed about covid said uh coaches are not doctors even though some of us think we are uh Mm -hmm. dr dabo did not uh, take that uh, lightly either he came back and kept ripping uh including uh i mean he's still talking about it on tuesday and stated that he does not care if if anyone at florida state is uh, is upset been coaching here 12 years they're on their third coach and four uh basically just trashing the fsu program i absolutely love it needless to say um i love the the baseless conspiracy theories the completely unfortunate accusations uh the back and forth the trash talk the the chest pounding, the thinly veiled insults, the not veiled insults at all. <laughs> yeah, right. There's no veiling. Yeah. I want that this rivalry bad. to be good. And right now, Mike Norvell, who says he will help fund a trip to get Clemson back. Clemson's now saying, also, if we're going to play again, we play to Clemson. Great line. You either forfeit or we play to Clemson, yeah. of course. Or if we're coming <laughs> back, you're paying. Norvell said he'll chip in. They're going to do like a GoFundMe. It's on Norvell now to to get some t- get that program humming because Dabo has more motivation now than ever, real or imagined inside of his conspiracy laden head. Uh, what was uh, Ohio State's line? What's Ryan's line? Uh, I'm going to try to hang a hundred on him. Like they may oh, yeah. try to put a hundred right. on you. So because Clemson ain't slowing down. So I love it, Pat. Your thoughts? Um, I mean, it's it is college football to the max. You know, it really is, Mike. My perfect shot. Okay, like this all blows up Saturday morning, right? It gets dealt with. Then, you know, there's statements from both sides. It's very clear that Clemson's very angry. Sunday evening, Clemson has a teleconference. Dabo goes off again. Monday, radio show. Dabo goes off again. Tuesday, Dabo goes off again. This is one of those situations where nobody there can tell him Dabo, be quiet. Oh, you can tell him he ain't going to listen. He is now officially too big for anybody's britches at Clemson. And he's going to say what he wants to say and do what he wants to do. Interested uh, observer Tom Mars, legal savage uh, in the college athletics realm, 
has been hammering Debo on Twitter, and uh, he put out some decks from a from a uh, a leadership uh, seminar that he had attended. Said that the Debo is violating these uh, ten- tenets. Ego is the greatest enemy of leadership. It's okay to have an unexpressed thought. What we do and say is not a reflection of our individual personality. It's a choice. In other words, Dabo, shut up. Well, I want to congratulate Dabo because for the first time in the history of college football, he had a coach's radio show that was actually interesting. I mean, these things are just (laughs) dreadful exercises in the mundane and the banal every week. Oh, He's playing really hard for us. You know, he came to us from Bosco and his high school coach is great and his position coach is great and everything's great on the coach's show. The coach's shows are dreadful existences. I always see these contracts where they get paid like a million dollars through the coach's show. And I'm like, who's buying the advertising for these things? They're dreadful. So anyway, Dabo went complete, complete 180 and did a four and a half minute rant. Of which, like, there's nothing this interesting has ever been expressed in a coach's show from, from what Dabo said. Now, I think it's ludicrous, and I think I think you're right, Pat. I think nobody at Clemson either tried to or succeeded in tapping him on the shoulder and be like, hey, Dabo, let's let's go. Like, like tuck and run, move on to the next thing. Um, because he's just, I don't, there's a lack of self-awareness with Dabo where I think he doesn't realize what he's bringing upon himself. And some of these guys who live in a bubble, especially in a small town, especially where they're revered, especially when you win, they can, they can lose a little bit of like what they, they, they can, they can not read the room because they can find rooms that read the way they want them to read. And I really think that's what's happening with, uh, with, with Dabo here. Now, again, I'm not complaining. I will never complain when coaches say interesting things, when coaches actually speak their mind, you know, these coaches shows, you know, annually are awful because they're just one game at a time, cliche bromides, right? So this is, I don't give a crap what they say. I know what the facts are. Like, this is great. It's compelling and it's really interesting. And I hope he doesn't stop, but he doesn't even appear like he's going to stop. Yeah, I mean, you just play into the base. That's it. The fans want, like, they tuned in for the game. I'm sure he's chapped about flying all the way down there, going through all the protocol, all the stuff you got to do. You go all the way down there, and the game gets canceled, and you think it should be played. So I get he's angry. The fans are like, yeah, screw FSU, you know? And, and the, I mean, you're just playing to your base. Doesn't The truth doesn't matter. There's all these people all of a sudden angry that Dabo is, he's, he's, got, he's got this facts quite. He's, what do you expect out of this guy? Like, this is Dabo Sweeney. He's really good at coaching football, and that's it. Like, if you, <laughs> college football coaches are not well rounded people. They have no idea about almost any, was it like a couple years ago, Nick Saban didn't know it was election day? You know, like this is, Nick Saban's a freaking genius except for all of that, everything else. Like, don't expect anything out of these guys. And so Dabo's like, hey, I can I can jazz up my fans a little bit. I think he's totally bored. He wins every game by too many points. He's sitting there going, well, at least we got the Notre Dame thing this year. It's it's like I always wondered about Gino Ariema. Like, how do you even stay motivated for some of these things? Like, how do you go into a game when you know you're going to win? I have, I have, I have managers on my team that would start for the other team, right? Like, I, like, I guess they could have could have gone to your school. They chose to be a manager here to learn how to coach. Like, that's how good my team is compared to yours. How do you stay? How do you even stay motivated? So I think he's just like, hey, good, I got something to fight with. This is great because no one wants to fight with Dabo in that league. He basically is just creating this thing and bullying because everyone else is like, I mess with that guy. So he's like, ah, look at FSU. Look what they're doing. And it's like probably some medical board guy just called it. And I mean, it's not nearly what he thinks, uh, but doesn't matter. He gives him something. So Dabo shouldn't be saying all this stuff if like college football was a reasonable fact-based existence, but. (laughs) What the hell kind of fun is that? We just talked about a urinating dog. I mean, the- I will say it is it is really priceless for having uh, Clemson complain about expense for going down there to play because Clemson <laughs> cannot spend many fast enough or enough of it on football. I mean, they they Dabo has a 10 year, 93 million dollar contract. They have a miniature golf course. They have napping pods. <laughs> They have everything you could possibly want. They've got more analysts than the Chinese army. I mean, they have got everything at Clemson. But, oh, my God, we just had to spend 300000 to go to Tallahassee. Oh, 
stat of the season is that Clemson's executive chef made more than the interim Southern Miss coach. <laughs> All right. Uh, the game we do have this week is, is Auburn at Alabama, the Iron Bowl, uh, which is through the years, maybe not giving us the lunacy of uh, some of these games, but uh, has, uh, you know, no, there's no dog urinations, but giving us no lack of uh, action. Uh, the Tigers have won two of the last three. I always think this game's better when and, and the action is wilder when the game's at Jordan Hare, uh, which is, to me, one of the most underrated stadiums in the country. Just phenomenal, but still will be good in Tuscaloosa. Thoughts on the Iron Bowl this year, Pat? Yeah, uh, first of all, I agree with you. Jordan Hare, underrated venue. Uh, incredibly loud, especially on Iron Bowl Day. The noise from the from the PA system and the scoreboard is the loudest I've heard anywhere, and the grass is about as pretty as you're going to get. Dan, I know as you as as a mowing aficionado, you have to be uh, envious of of Auburn's lawn. It is it is impressive. But as for this game, uh, you know I think this sets up as an Alabama beatdown. Um, you know they 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 had made the playoff every single season. Until last year when they were stopped by Auburn in a crazy game there at Jordan-Hare with that 100-yard pick six that bounced off of Najee Harris's back. Uh, they had a controversial field goal on the last play of the first half. Uh, just a lot of stuff happened for Auburn to win that game. Auburn is they, – they, they're playing better the last couple of weeks, but I don't see them going into Bryant-Denny and being able to match points with this Alabama team. And Alabama's defense now has really started to flex. Uh, they have allowed three points in their last two games. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I always love watching the Iron Bowl, but I don't think we're going to be watching a close, dramatic game. Yeah, I agree with Pat. I, I First of all, we'll tip my hat to Jordan Hare. Uh, one of my favorite memories from the kick six game was just seeing the amount of nips that ended up on the field after they after everybody stormed the field. And then they basically like wouldn't leave. Like this was like such a great moment. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. people were taking their Christmas card photos on the field for crying out loud. Right. So then once the field cleared and I came back from interviews, I just remember the sheer amount of empty nip bottles, fireball, <laughs> otherwise all scattered around the Jordan Hare field. I was like, yep. Yep, the old the, the Auburn fans were were ready to enjoy themselves, and if not, they were going to drink away their pain. So, so somebody uh, no, just, uh, somebody dumped uh, someone's ashes on there. I remember yeah, that. Yes. Yeah, there's a picture. Yes, <laughs> they yes. held it the whole game. Grandpa saw <laughs> yes. the pick six, <laughs> kick yeah. six. Me, it just means more, Dan. So yeah, th this game I don't think requires a, a ton of a ton of in depth analysis. Uh, I, I think for Alabama, it is really a a, a point where they can say to the rest of college football, we are way better than you. Because if you really look at the defenses at Clemson, uh, obviously, you know, has shown weakness at, especially with some injuries on their defensive line and their linebackers are pretty pedestrian. Now, Alabama, you know, gave up a billion yards to Ole Miss that night in Oxford. But I think that memory of that defense, we really need to take like a new snapshot of what Alabama's defense is and has become. And one of the trademarks of Saban is obviously his teams get better as the uh, as the seasons go on. So I think an authoritative pounding of Auburn, which I expect in this game, and Gus Malzahn has found ways to sort of bedevil Nick Saban over the years, both as a coordinator and a head coach. If he can completely shut down Auburn's offense, I guess it's Chad Morris's offense now, Alabama can really make the case that they are the runaway favorite to win the national title. Yeah, I think a lot of this is going to come down to like, can Bo Nix really play one of those special, special games? Like, they're going to need a massive effort out of him. Auburn's good, but obviously, we what we think of as Alabama is better. We'll make our pick picks later. Although I think you can uh, uh, kind of see where uh, where this is headed. Two others that are coming this weekend, uh, both on Friday. One is uh, Iowa State-Texas. This is kind of the game that could get Iowa State over the hump for towards that Big 12 title. Even if they just win a regular season Big 12 title, uh, they haven't won a conference title. And now, Pete, you know the stats, but essentially forever since the last pandemic, I believe. Before the 1912, they won the Missouri yeah. Valley with a cool 2-0 record. They also won it in 11. <laughs> But yeah, this is this is I would say the biggest game with the highest stakes for Iowa State in the last generation. Repeat Valley champions back pre World One, World War One. I'm sure Ames yes. was on fire then. Yeah, Two and zero. How much Bush Light got drank? 
Yeah, definitely, man. They made that corn moonshine out there. I was I mean, going to say straight yeah. corn liquor back then, man. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Take that, fun. Wichita State. Gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> <laughs> if Iowa State wins, I have a prop bet. If Iowa State wins uh, and defeats Texas, how many times will we play the AIM song? In, uh, oh. in yeah. <laughs> Pete said, biggest game for Iowa State fans in forever. Uh, they very, very, very rarely reach this point of the season and still matter. And here they are. Brees Hall is a great running back. Really, really good. It's just tough for running backs to stand out these days. And I think a lot of people, to a degree, stopped paying attention to Iowa State when they lost the opener to Lafayette, I, Louisiana Lafayette. I mean, I, I did to a degree because to me that was disqualifying in terms of being a playoff contender. And we tend to look at things that way. But he's really good. Uh, that's going to be a very intriguing game. I think it's going to be close. Texas plays a lot of close games. Iowa State is built to play that way, too. So uh, looking forward to it. Noon on Friday. So that's a good one for your uh, turkey leftover sandwiches. Oh, yeah. It's turkey leftover sandwich and bush light day. Uh, it's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> uh, 3.30 that day. To me, this is the the trap of for Notre Dame. They're at North Carolina, 6-2. and two. Carolina is a, has shown they can be a very good team. They've shown less so. But to me, this is a huge game for, for Notre Dame. If they can get by this, potentially get to that ACC championship game, they may be playing with house money at that point, but they got to get there. Kind of sneaky. I think it's sneaking up on everybody. I don't know that there's a lot of hype on this because I guess Carolina's ranked 25th, but just got ranked. I think everyone's kind of slept on the uh, the heels of late. Interesting, real interesting game. I think the the line is fascinating. We'll get down to picking it, but the line is only Notre Dame four and a half. You would expect more than that. Um, but very interesting line there. A couple of things could be at play there. Notre Dame has offensive line injuries, so that could be a major factor there. They've got two starters who are out for that game. Uh, North Carolina can absolutely score. That's going to be the matchup to me. Carolina's number four in the nation in uh, yards per game, number four in yards per play. Notre Dame's defense is exceptional. It's very, very good. Uh, so who gets the better of that matchup? I, you know, I, I, I will definitely watch that game with with high degree of interest. And I will say for North Carolina, if Notre Dame hadn't come bogarting into the ACC for their one year rental membership, uh, North Carolina <laughs> and Miami would probably be playing at the end of the regular season to go to the ACC championship. So uh, Notre Dame is basically come in and, and knock the North Carolina down a peg. We'll see if that provides any extra motivation. So no team has been more split personality this year than North Carolina. I mean, they have just, uh, they've looked great on offense, terrible on offense, great on defense, terrible on defense. I mean, they gave up 53 points to Wake Forest in their, uh, in their last game. Uh, Carolina's had some injury issues. Pat just talked about the, the Notre Dame O-line injury issues. Like no, I think Notre Dame will win and we'll pick it later, but I just think this game is going to be wild. There is going to be huge momentum swings, big leads, big leads disappearing. That is just the way North Carolina has played this whole season. Um, so they gave up 53 to Wake Forest, 44 to Virginia. Virginia Tech scored 45 on them. Now, the pace that Phil Longo's offense plays at lends it to extra possessions, which is going to lend to extra scoring. What will be interesting to see if if North Carolina maybe pumps the brakes on that a little bit and tries to play a little more conventionally in order to not get in a shootout with Notre Dame. All right. I want to go back to this one too. This is a big development from Bedlam. We had reports out of this on Bedlam. Uh, oh. Oklahoma- <laughs> this is great. Well, yeah. Good. Great. Unless you're the guy and this guy, Oklahoma state football equipment manager uh, got his rib broken during an attack. He ran into the stands to retrieve a ball during Bedlam, and a bunch of OU fans beat him up. This is according to uh, KFOR. Uh, has a, a big a big story on this, including witnesses and everything. When OSU kicked the ball, all I heard is they were like, let him go, let him go. Brandon Bush told News 4 they were really beating this kid down. What is going on at Oklahoma when the poor guy's just getting the Ball after a field goal is getting his ass kicked in the stands. They're thinking, I mean, this is, welcome to what that. Is, rivalry. What I mean, I, I welcome to the rivalry. He's just an <laughs> equipment guy. He doesn't even play. Even I'm outraged no, by I, this. 
you're never outraged by anything. Usually here, fight, you get all excited. Now all of a sudden you're concerned. It's gotta be a what's what's going on here. Fair fight. This is our this is our group thread. They're like Pete and Pat will be sending like, oh, so you know, defensive coordinator says this is how the the scheme's gonna go this week or some little these little stories, and then I'll send like two dudes fighting at the Wawa with like his pants falling down, like that video. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Videos are. Yeah. I don't feel I if participate well in the group thread. If it's an animal <laughs> attack, Dan has sent it. If it's about yeah. football, Pat has sent it. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's about Tennessee being miserable, Sully has sent it. That's that's pretty much our group texts. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but I will say this. That, that when, I, when I said this is great before I expressed the proper concern to make Dan Wetzel satisfied here, the thing that was great to me is that, you know, that like the breathless reporting of this from the um, – the, the the TV station in Oklahoma City. I looked up where they're from. And then I looked up the Nielsen rating sweeps months. And sure enough, November is a sweeps month. And I do know this from living in Kentucky. When there's a Louisville-Kentucky rivalry, bitterness, scandal sort of thing, and it happens during sweeps month, you pound the daylights out of it. I am sure Oklahoma-Oklahoma State is a similar dynamic. All of a sudden, Anything that happens in that rivalry becomes lead the news, hammer the news, get the ratings. So you knew we'd pick games on this podcast. You didn't know we'd break down Oklahoma City TV wars. That's right. Yeah. It's big, man. <laughs> we're we're going to the, the, the Nielsen's when we're done. Yeah. Very competitive news market. KFOR moving up after going deep on the uh, the attack on well, the man. They got that eyewitness. Yeah. Bird they have an eyewitness. The and eyewitness. then there's these. Then there's these Oklahoma people trying to defend it. They have like unnamed eyewitness. Well, he was taunting. Yeah, you know, it just becomes we start disparaging this poor guy with the broken ribs character. <laughs> I ask you all to be nice to the equipment guys. Just throw the ball back to him. I, I don't want to hijack the here, but you know, like the the Oklahoma fans that want to leap to the defense of their people that allegedly beat up this guy, and the Clemson fans rushing to Dabo's defense and stuff, like. Do you have to do it if you're a fan? I mean, can you ever say my highly <laughs> successful coach should probably shut up or my no. incredibly successful team that dominates the heck out of our arch rival? Maybe we shouldn't beat up the equipment manager. Or do you have to automatically go to the defense and say, oh, he deserved it. Florida State deserved it. Our is great part fan of being the fan, commit is assault? That the fan is, that, is that too much to ask? <laughs> this is the message board like poster that like, you have to call it like old piss. Uh, <laughs> right? Like, how old are you? Right. And you look at their profile, like 56 year old, saved by Christ, always, yeah. you know, and they <laughs> can't, yeah. right? They got to make some kind of st stupid joke about the, you know, the other team in, in yep. their name, you know, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Is it yep. like, okay. Like, boy, you really? You got a market research job at a Fortune 500 company? And this is how you. <laughs> so, no, you always defend uh, your guys. I guess so. I'm not a very good fan. I, I just, I'm not good at it. No, I'm a terrible fan. That's the problem. We've yeah. seen you be a Broncos fan pretty much live on the podcast the last couple of years here, Pat. We know you're not a good fan. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'll, rip, I'll rip my team. I'll rip my coach. They make me mad often. <laughs> One of my favorite stories about Pat is we were at the Senior Bowl and uh, the Broncos coaching staff happened to be the one. And so there's a scrum of beat writers around. Was it Vance Joseph? Vance Joseph, yeah. Vance Joseph is the Broncos coach. There's a scrum of people asking Vance Joseph questions because the Broncos staff is there. You know, Ernest, writers from the Denver Post writing there now. And Pat is standing like 10 feet away with his arms crossed. We're like, why don't they ask him why he can't manage the clock? <laughs> 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 and it was just like that surreal collision between between that is actually Vance Joseph. And this is like the completely professional sports writer who's now being completely irrational, <laughs> grumbling about the coach eight feet away in the middle of Mobile, Alabama. It was pretty beautiful. Bad clock. Right, then there's this item. <laughs> I think this is something we can all, no matter what your team you back, we can all agree to hate these people. Japanese and German researchers have injected a gene that makes monkey brains double in size by splicing them with human genes what? so that the monkeys grow bigger and smarter. Oh, no. Oh, Do no. we really need this in 2020 or any, or ever? <laughs> but right now, right? primates' brains become more human-like by developing larger, more advanced neocortexes. WTF. <laughs> 
that's basically, you know, that's like, don't hire somebody that's going to eventually take your job. It's going to be better than you are. Like, don't make the monkey smart enough because they're probably looking saying the humans are doing a terrible job with this pandemic thing. Just give us a little <laughs> more time. We'll take over here. Three monkeys running this podcast next year. Jake to these <laughs> German and Japanese researchers. Screw these guys. All right. Speaking of total disasters, how about the college basketball season? Oh, Woo! Thanksgiving is a sneakily great college. Not even sneakily. It's just a great college basketball week. Like normally we'd have the Maui classic. We'd have games, wall to wall games. I used to love the old great Alaska shootout. I hated that that died out somehow. Just what a classic concept. Let's go to Anchorage and play basketball. Probably smart to come up with something closer and not so much expense, but whatever. May have games on Wednesday. <laughs> we may not. There seems to be teams just wandering around the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut and <laughs> yeah. someplace looking in for, South. The, the bad boy, yeah. yeah, the bad boy mowers are just they're riding around in bad boy mowers in South Dakota looking for someone to play. I have given up on trying to look at the schedule. I am either going to turn on the television or not. But when I do and there's a basketball game being played, I will now assume that the game will be played. That's my That's standard. Smart. Other than that, it is to be determined. Smart approach. But no, we're heading into just a, a mess of such epic proportion. Uh, I mean, it's going to be incredible. The first game was supposed to be like 9 a.m. Wednesday and in, at the Mohegan Sun. And the best part of it was they stuck San Francisco in that game. That's a 6 a.m. body clock game <laughs> for San Francisco. That game has, of course, been canceled, like, you know, 25 other ones. Uh, but, I mean, yes, there's there's wall-to-wall -wall basketball that may or may not be played starting Wednesday, and we'll see how much gets done. Uh, I know Pete wrote a good story about what, it, you know, that, that basically this is, this is like flying a plane into a hurricane, a prop plane into a hurricane, and just hoping you come out on the other side and saying, well, that's what we were going to do all along, so we're just going to keep going, going to keep doing it. So here we are. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I I decided Sunday night to write that column, so I just texted like 10 coaches, just, you know, just random, no rhyme or reason, just kind of threw some texts. Hey, what do you guys think? This thing doesn't look good. seems like it's falling apart. And I was 10 for 10. People were like, we are nuts doing this. Like we are completely, completely nuts doing this. And after I wrote my column, uh, which went up on Yahoo on Tuesday, and I got a flood of text messages from uh, from coaches, especially those coaches who have had to actually deal with the pandemic, because it's easy. And Seth Greenberg, of course, who has not been the most self-aware human throughout his entire coaching and media career, tweets like, ah, these things are going to happen. You know, we just have to take it and deal with the delays. And I had a coach be like, it took me everything to not jump him on Twitter. And this coach has had COVID delays like many have had. And he's like, he's not the one who has to go through quarantine. He's not the one who has to be in isolation. Like the sacrifices, these it, the, the human toll on these kids and what they're doing in order to become inventory, especially irrelevant inventory right now is significant and there's all these people being like, well, 88% of the game schedule, they're still there. You know, they're just like, they're cheerleading for themselves basically and not looking at the human side of it. Meanwhile, coaches dealing with the human side of it are like, this is nuts. We're, we're basically like walking into a meat grinder. Some of us are going to get sputtered out. Some of us aren't. So, and, and I give Rick Pitino credit. He has been, he's been calling this at what it is for a very long time. He's in New York. Like he's seen what happened in, can happen with the pandemic. And he called it, I believe, a nightmare and a disaster. And he made a very good point of you look around the world, countries are shutting down. And he's like, we're starting to open the season. Doesn't make a lot of sense. The MTE operators and television have had way too much influence on this early part of the season. The plan here should have been let's streamline, let's figure out a post-New Year's, because I really think the pandemic is only going to get worse with Thanksgiving and Christmas. The, the trend lines seem to appear appearing that way. There's nothing happening right now that those statistics appear to be abating. So let's January 15th, get everybody back, make sure everybody's tested and healthy, and then really at that point, figure out a way to get a season or move out of March, go to May, get a bubble. Like There has to be nimbleness, flexibility, and creativity and it is just not a NCA organization or college basketball sport that has really shown a lot of that. And I think that's going to be tested here over the next couple of weeks. Look, I love watching college hoops all day, Thanksgiving night. Like I will have my TVs on in my office tomorrow watching, you know, watching games. I enjoy it. I love it. We like, can't wait to have it. But 
at what expense? And, and the, the fundamental tension here is, is this thing going to go so sideways in the non-conference that it's going to jeopardize the conference? And that's really the, the point a bunch of coaches and administrators made to me. And yeah, there's just, and Ed McLaughlin, the VCUAD said it best. He was just like, this is completely predictable. Everybody knew this was coming. Now, can we adjust? I think there's two. It's, yeah, we've gotten to that part where it's like, well, you don't love college basketball. Yeah, I, I mean, that's not uh, what we're talking we about here. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I love it. I want to watch it. it. Just seems kind of weird. Like, every day, all the games are canceled. All these games canceled this. Like, what are you doing? And then there is a lack of everything's always with that argument. It's like, well, they're not going to die. Okay, well, that's the only standard. <laughs> yes, they're not going to die. I don't believe the basketball players are going to die. You also can't push back the season and hope they get vaccines. I hope the college basketball players are the last people in line to get vaccines. Super healthy 20-year-old athletic men should not be the ones getting the vaccine first. So, you know, there's some of that. But, I mean, just is this making any sense? And you, if you just sit there and go, well, so what? So he's got to go in quarantine for two weeks. Well, that sucks. Quarantine sucks. What if you're trying to study? What if you do get it and you're sick? You don't want to be sick for finals. I know nobody cares about the finals, but they do exist. Somebody's yeah, supposed to at least care. Do. Some of this stuff just seems like, well, we could at least start a January one. I don't know. Maybe we get some games. Maybe we don't. I mean, there's some funny ones. Pac-12, Cal and Oregon State are now scheduled to play this week. It's a non-conference game. <laughs> okay, why not? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Iowa and Iowa State scheduled a game. This is good, right? Nice, smart. Stunned by the sponsor of the game. is sponsored Bush by... Light. Iowa corn, Iowa corn. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. This really seemed like a good use of marketing money. You'd think all of the Iowa and Iowa State fans were already kind of partial to Iowa corn, right? <laughs> like, I don't think a lot of Iowa, Iowa State fans were. Let's get some of that uh, Missouri corn. Like, I think they probably like that. Um, yeah, just throwing games together. You're going to play. I mean, uh, you know, like I've always said, I'll take progress not perfect but it does seem like this just doesn't i mean you talk to college basketball coaches and they're just like yeah there's not really I, we don't know we're just you can't don't have enough players to have the whole thing again i think we, we've said is, is verging on one of the worst ideas we've ever seen but uh, i would like to also since we're talking college hoops make note of another brilliant college basketball idea and that was auburn self-imposing a postseason ban in a season that may or may not Genius. get played. Genius. Yeah. <laughs> season, they were going to be bad to begin with, and they may not, you know, you may play 12 games. Oh, but we're over, you know, we are taking this investigation very seriously <laughs> as we have all along by hiding our notice of allegations, by retaining Bruce Pearl, by far forging onward, but we're taking it very seriously. So we're going to self-impose a postseason ban because the season's going to hell. Bravo, Auburn. Inspired work by 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 Auburn. I, I'm inspired by that. Like, we're not going to make the tournament if it exists. So we just, and retroactively, we took ourselves out of last year's too. They should have said yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the, the NCA has just bathed itself in so little glory in this, uh, in the aftermath of this college basketball federal scandal from 2017. We're now in the fourth season with virtually no actual repercussions. Mark Emmert basically said, oh, Condoleezza Rice, you go figure out all our sports problems. And here we are. The only thing that re real reverberation from it has been anger at the coaches and programs that got away with cheating and now have yet to be punished. And so here is Auburn basically lapping the NSA being like, well, we're going to do this. Uh, it, you know, amid a pandemic, amid a shortened season. Uh, now, administratively, when you look at it strategically, it was a very smart idea by uh, by Auburn. And it's just if the NCAA could somehow look worse in all this, they managed to. Oh, it's not going to. This is not. I don't think it's a smart idea. I do not think it's a smart idea. It's not going to work. It's not going to carry any weight. It's not going to carry any weight when they go to the committee on infractions and you're looking at a penalty matrix that could subject you to a four-year postseason ban. We got one you out of the say, way. Well, we took us. Well, we took out. We took us out of this one. It's behind us now. That's not happening. It's not. It might. I'm willing to bet. Let's bet a six-pack of Bush Light on this one. All right. Well, uh, it's a low-risk strategy, though, right? I like, mean, we're good. You weren't going to plan it anyway. I just canceled I the whole season. I just like, I mean, stupid anyway. I, I feel I feel great for the players there, by the way. I, well, yeah. they, you know, they signed with Auburn. I mean, this is yeah. not. Oh, one, I know. I know. The they, one they thing about this into. is it's gone on so long. You can't tell me 
Right. Oh, nobody poor- signed under false pretense. No, everybody signed. And then Auburn obviously doesn't care about the you're hurting the wrong players. You just you just kneecapped your own guys. Oh yeah. And right. they go, no, this is no. Auburn. Well, it's really not a very serious thing, but we can't let you know what it is. But we're gonna ban ourselves well, from the well, so it seems fairly that's serious. The thing. I don't know. Uh yeah. You know? And I, hey, how about tell everybody what the charges are? What a concept. Tell the recruits, tell the fans who remarkably really don't seem to care. The fans are like, we don't want to know what's going on in our program. We don't want to know. Don't tell us. Don't tell us. I say, you know, maybe a little bit of transparency from the least transparent college program in America. But I blame the NCA on that too, Pat. Like there is no reason after they went through that whole Condoleezza Rice rigmarole that the simplest thing to embarrass these programs was to be letters, notice of allegations become public. That was a simple way to actually make it to actually de-incentivize cheating right but instead they have all this like all this voodoo where you send it to the lawyer's office and you can hide it from foia i mean auburn hasn't like responded to a foia since like uh since since iowa state won a conference title i mean they, they've just they have systems set up where they can operate in the dark and if you're the NCA, you can either continue to let them do that or you can change your policies in them and many, many others, too, by the way, where, yeah, it comes out, you hit the button and it goes public. It's very simple. It's you, you should not sympathize with those who have broken the rules to, to that extent. The letter should go to the president agree. of the school so that it is public. And instead, they play the game and it's not public. So they're literally yeah, keeping no. recruits and their parents in the dark on what actually happened. And as we have seen. We yeah. don't know what Auburn is telling people, but we do know that when Ole Miss went through this with Hugh Freeze, he completely lied to everybody and said it was nothing. And then the facts came yeah. out, and it it's was a-, a lot. And he screwed all yeah. of those kids who signed with him. And Ole Miss sat there and let yep. him screw all of the kids that signed with them. And the NCAA Hell, they allowed, participated with him. Ross York was participating yep, with him. Everybody did it. They don't care. They literally don't care. This is my problem with the NCAA and this whole thing. They Do we care about the scandal or not? The most impassioned thing the NCAA did during the entire college basketball trial was write a letter to a federal judge asking for the guy who started the whole thing, a guy named Marty Blazer, who stole over $2 million from athletes who became pro, former college athletes. He took their money and tried to make this movie that didn't work pled guilty to stealing $2.3 million, was facing up to 67 years in prison if you went through all of the, and I know they're not going to give him 67. They wrote, they in, they injected themselves into a federal sentencing hearing and passionately argued that Marty Blazer deserved leniency because he helped rat out some current players, maybe, in their infraction cases. A fake system of justice took precedent for the NCAA over a real system of justice. They backed the thief. They backed the con man <laughs> no. in federal court. That's what matters to the NCA. They literally backed a total scumbag. And if any of them, one person from the NCAA had ever showed up at that trial, let alone the days that Marty Blazer was on the stand, they would have looked at this guy and said, what a piece of garbage. I don't want any part of this. Instead, they're like, this guy's great. We got to let him free. He only stole $2.3 million from our former athletes, but he's helping us bust our current ones. That's what they care about. I mean, the NCAA should wear the shame of that letter forever. You cannot take them seriously when that, and then they'll sit there and cover up and help these schools cover up and keep everyone in the dark. Well, should I sign it? It's no big deal. Don't worry. Okay, I'm going to sign. We're not going to the NCAA tournament this year. Wait, what? That's not yeah, what I signed up for. They didn't wait for. to announce that till after Jabari Smith, top five player, after signed last After signing week, day. Always, always. Same with Ole Miss. And the NCAA stands there and goes, what, what? Like, come on, man. I, you, you have no credibility with me. So, you know, there's a lot of bad. That's why, do I blame Auburn for doing it? This whole thing's a joke. The NCAA is complicit on all of it. Be, be something. You, you back Marty Blazer. They should have. They should come out right now and apologize for ever backing Marty Blazer or explain why they did. They never would. No, there's not a lot of explanations that come out of Indianapolis. Marty Blazer, who basically helped frame Christian Dawkins as a hero. Christian Dawkins is horrible. All right, sure. God bless Auburn. They they 
just continue to keep being Auburn. You know what I mean? Like you want to talk about a university athletic department that have stayed quintessentially on brand for decades and decades and decades. That is that is Auburn. But they are like at a certain point, you don't blame Auburn. You blame the system that allows them to get away with it. Yeah. Fans don't care. The system will let it go on. So whatever. Why? Why pretend? Right. Why pretend? Um, All right. How are your Twitter mentions after your Auburn column this week? Oh, I, I don't know. I've got they predictable. Predictable. Yeah. You know, that my favorite was a guy who says he's a journalism professor at uh, at Auburn who was complaining about the story. It's like, wait a minute, you're on a campus where they're actively hiding a notice of allegations from the students, the fans, the faculty and everyone else. And you're mad about my story and not mad about that. But whatever. Does Auburn have a journalism school? Apparently so. It surprised me. Okay. I don't see it often yeah. amongst high in the rankings, but <laughs> I just I've never met a journalist from Auburn. You know, some places don't have like BC doesn't have a journalism school. Like some places don't have. Them. All right, let's uh, let's race for the case here. Thanksgiving weekend, uh, we enter Pete 42, 29 and one, scorching, a scorching forty-two. Tw- that's a you're looking. That's nice. Pat 37. After my two bad beats last week, I really thought I was going to go 0 and 6 because yeah. I had been like being a little chesty on Twitter about my uh, being 13 games above 500. I, I I scrabbled back and recovered. But when when Penn State looked like it might backdoor Iowa, remember they came back and like cut it to 10 in the third quarter. I was like, oh no, here we go. Like I've, the the grand comeuppance for me making fun of uh, <laughs> Tap and Nad. I felt like it was it was it was creeping up on Saturday afternoon, but. We went five. Bad beats last week. Uh, Pat, you're three games oh. up. We're one one down, uh, Sully and I. I w- we'll add this to the bad beats. We didn't get to this bad beat, but Scott Van Pelt did on his show Monday night, which the bad beats uh, is a great segment he has on the, I think it's just awesome. Scott Van Pelt show. Yep. I don't know what that's called, but. One of the best things on television. It was great. Yes. The bad Him and Stanford Steve. Stanford Steve. Yep. So we missed this, as most people did, because they weren't watching the waning minutes of Virginia Abilene Christian. And I have yeah, watched Abilene wasn't playing UTEP. I've games, watched so two I've there. watched two Abilene Christian <laughs> games this year, and this would have been the third. <laughs> I I have I wasn't watching the waxing or waning minutes of that yeah. game. So <laughs> anyway, it was on something because there was video. At the end of this game, Abilene Christian is losing the, the spread is 39 and a half. Abilene Christian scores a touchdown to cut it to 34. So Abilene Christian is going to cover. They then kick the ball off. Virginia expects like an onside kick. So the ball just kind of rolls down there. They end up downing it like the five yard line. So they're, they're at their own five. There's a minute 27 left. I think all they have to do is just run out the clock. Game is over there. Virginia is leading by 34 points. So the game is over. Instead, they snap the ball <laughs> in a fit of just bizarre play. They throw, they throw a pass to the halfback, like a backward pass, who then throws it. Now, they're all in their own end zone here. Virginia's in their own end zone with a minute 27. They run this trick play. He throws it back to the quarterback, who then gets tackled in the end zone for a safety, right? The play is nuts. Why would you run this play with 127 left? So because of this, of the safety, Virginia then kicks the ball off to Abilene Christian, who then tries to drive down his score again. Now, Abilene Christian is now trailing by, now they're down. Now they've cut it to 34, okay? So they, they're they they're at yeah, 34 right. now. But they, they they could not be more safely covered, right, at this it's, point? It's a cover, but only yeah. one bad thing can happen when you're driving and you've got the lead in. because So the last play, seven seconds left, they try to throw a pass for no reason other than cut the score down even more. I mean, they're going to lose the game. It gets intercepted by a Virginia linebacker who takes it, pick six, all the way back, game over. Virginia wins by 40 and covers. Okay. This is if you had Abilene Christian, I'm guessing almost nobody did. Okay. <laughs> a couple guys in Abilene. <laughs> this is maybe the worst beat I've ever seen. Okay. So the question we everyone misses this, but they ask Bronco Mendenhall of, of Virginia coach, why did you run the halfback pass back to the quarterback in your own end zone, leading by 34 with a minute 27 left? And this is this is like the kick in the shin of the loss because if they had just run the clock out, Abilene Christian better wins. Offensive coordinator Robert Anai was off on a line on his play chart. 
He called the wrong play at the end. We were trying to run the clock, and we ended up getting a double pass called out of our own end zone. It's a complete accident. <laughs> so, uh, guys. I would assume the backup's in at that point, too, because 36 isn't their starter. Because remember, like, the yeah. quarterback with the awkward number. that it, like, yeah. So I would assume that guy. So I would think it's if it's your senior starter and he sees the double pass in the end zone, he either, like, looks for another play. Calls or just time says, out. No, I'm or, just yeah, going like, to go in the fetal position. Vic, they do not do victory formation. They call it a f- now, here's the thing. Where is this line chart where <laughs> you're only one line off between victory formation and <laughs> double pass? I want to reorganize the line chart. <laughs> it's not like he fumbled with like a, you know, a, a off, you know, run the A gap with the fullback. Okay. Like, no. <laughs> Absolute bananas. Also, classic like college football outsmart yourself. Like, you're beating the dog out of Abilene Christian with a minute and a half left. Just yell from the sideline, sneak. You don't signal in a play. You don't send Take it, you know, Y right, 36 left, you know, blah, 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 blah. No. Sneak. Just no, they hold, it. Let them know They hold coming. up a big poster of like B. Arthur or something like that. Oh, all right. <laughs> right? Like they got those managers and those weird double pass. Anyway, worst beat I've ever seen. At least we didn't get that one. So. Uh, although we'll never know. I guess people lost on a dog piss last year. The piss and miss. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get to it. Um, okay. Number 15, Iowa State at number 20, Texas. Texas is giving to noon ABC Friday. We've discussed the game some, so let's just get some picks. Pat. Yeah, I'm with the clones. Playing well. Texas, just kind of unreliable. Uh, don't trust them. It'll be close. The, the spread is a good spread. But if Iowa State's getting points, I'm with the clones. Texas has played three overtime games this season, which is like fairly, uh, fairly remarkable. And I would think of my uh, of my losses this season, pretty much everyone has been taking Texas. Uh, like every time I've taken Texas, I've lost. So it hasn't even been uh, it hasn't been close. That said, I think I'm going to take Texas today. Uh, I thought they played. Now they haven't played in 20 dates, right? So you look back and they've won three in a row, and you feel like they're getting some rhythm, and they're a little bit healthier, and you think, oh, you know, but like. Who knows when you haven't played for, for, for 20 days, right? Total coin flip. Uh, it, it will be a close game. I'm really looking forward to watching every snap of it. I haven't really watched an entire Iowa State game this year, so I'm really excited to see Brees Hall. They're excited running back. Pat mentioned earlier. But, yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna go with, with uh, Team Ellinger here. I'm with Pat. I, I think uh, Iowa State had their, played their most complete game last week against Kansas State, and they're going to do it again this week. Uh, give me the clones. I'm a big Sam Ellinger fan, so I'm going with him. I think Texas wins this game. It's going to be a good one, though. Very, very excited about this one. I don't plan on doing a whole lot on Friday. Uh, just watching football all day or Thursday or or Saturday, for that matter, or Sunday or pretty much any day. Funny how that works. All right. Number two, Notre Dame at number 25, North Carolina. Notre Dame's given five and a half, 330 on Friday. I just have a feeling how bad North Carolina's defense has been in the past few weeks that, that Notre Dame is going to use that do- dominant offensive line lean on them, try to slow the game and control the game, and, and eventually ground them down. It's just hard to – taking North Carolina, like that would be like putting your 401K in Bitcoin. Like it could go up, but it's just been too too unreliable. So I, uh, I'm i going to go with the Irish. I'm joining you. Uh, it's suspiciously low spread. As I mentioned earlier, the injuries on the offensive line for Notre Dame might be attributable to that. But I look at it and see that all right, there's four main units on the field. Three of them are very good. North Carolina offense, Notre Dame defense, Notre Dame offense. The North Carolina defense is not good. That's the difference maker. Notre Dame will score at will and win and cover. Yep, Notre Dame under a touchdown. Give it to me. Go Irish. Yeah, I love this low spread. Irish for me. All right, Iron Bowl, 22 Auburn at number one Alabama, 330 on CBS. This is Saturday. Bama is giving 24 points. Pad 40. That's a lot in a rivalry game, and I say lay them. I think Alabama's playing great. Auburn's playing better, but, you know, give me Nick Saban in a revenge game uh, and look out, hide your eyes. I think that they go after him. They go after him hard. They are going to be able to both score, and they're going to be able to get after uh, Bo Nix, who is not great, uh, and I, I think Alabama puts a whooping on Auburn. 
I'm not. I was, I was trying to talk myself into taking Auburn when uh, when Pat was delivering his soliloquy, and I just decided not to because I would be so angry at myself watching the game when when Alabama's up like twenty eight nothing at the end of the first quarter. So I do think this. Uh, I do think Auburn will score some, and I do think Gus will figure some things out. But I, I do think they will eventually get swallowed whole uh, by Alabama. So I'm I'm going to go with the Tide. Yep, hundred percent. Roll Tide, roll. This game reminds me of last week's. Indiana Ohio State game, which I took Ohio State because I didn't want to pick Indiana. I'm trying to buck Auburn too. Just feel like late Alabama's going to just keep pouring it on. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Roll Tide on this. Well, boy, that's a that is a juicy, juicy number right there. <laughs> juicy, <laughs> sure is. Colorado at number 19, USC Battle of the Unbeaten's in the Pac-12 South. USC is giving 13 and a half games at 3:30 on Saturday. I'm going to have to take Colorado. I just don't trust USC enough. And, and look, like Colorado may be the emptiest undefeated team in all college football, but I don't think USC, from what I've seen of them, has like earned the right to say they're going to blow somebody out. So I will uh, I will take the Buffaloes. Uh, I don't think the Buffaloes win, but I think they figure out a way to keep it close. Um, I am with you 100% on Colorado there. I, I I can't remember the game now, but either last week or the week before, I took somebody getting 13 and a half and they lost by 14. So this feels like I'm, I'm setting myself up for a recurring nightmare, but I'm doing it anyway because I, I, I just agree. USC has not been that impressive. They did beat Utah by 16. Utah hadn't played in 352 days since their last game. So they don't have that advantage here against Colorado. Uh, really like Colorado's quarterback who was playing safety last year under Mel Tucker. So the buffs do at least cover. I'm not sure they win. I'll take the Trojans here. They're 14 to know all the time against Colorado. Uh, they did benefit last week against uh, a, a definitely a, a Utah team that was pretty rusty and, but they were able to turn them over a good bit. So USC wins with a little, little defensive uh, performance against Colorado here. I'll take Colorado. I think SC probably wins, but Colorado's going to cover. I, I'm not. I don't love this USC team. Uh, Egg Bowl, 330, SEC Network. It's been banished from the main networks due to potential dog urination mimicking. <laughs> it's not for family audiences. You got to go hunt to Channel 700 on mine. Old Miss given nine and a half. I don't know who's first. Sully, you do it. You're a, you're a resident Southerner. Yeah, uh, give me State. I think it's going to be a close one. It's going to be your classic uh, wacky Egg Bowl. Mississippi State's been playing better with Will Rogers at the helm. Almost uh, 340 yards against Georgia last week. And Georgia's got a stout defense. Ole Miss absolutely does not. One of the worst in the league. Give me the Pirates. Yeah, I... I- I think I got to go with you there on state. I mean, I, I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. None, really, honestly. And I don't, I'm not sure anybody does. But I, I was uh, somewhat impressed by Mississippi State's performance last week. And nine and a half in a game that is just liable to be completely insane and go down to the last play and have you know fans gouging each other in the eyes. I, I will say uh, nine and a half is enough for Mississippi State to cover. I agree with exactly what Pat said. I have no feel, no feel for this game, especially when Mississippi State was below roster numbers last week. I'm not sure exactly where, where they're trending towards this week, but I think that their limitations roster wise will eventually get worn down by the way Ole Miss plays. Like I, I both teams are going to score in this game. I don't think that's uh, th- that's any secret. But I just I feel like Kiffin will keep the foot on the gas. He will play with pace and he will figure out a way. And look, the the smart defenses have really found a way to stop Mississippi State this year. The ones that have dropped eight that have been flexible. And so I really feel like DJ Durkin will will, will learn from the mistakes of LSU and others and, and figure that out. So I am going to uh, I am going to take the Kiffins. I'm going to take Ole Miss also, although I watched Mississippi State last week and they actually look pretty good. But I'm going to uh, as I'm not going to repeat everything got said, but uh, I will take Ole Miss on this. All right. Lock of the week time. Who's got a lock of the week? Who's ready? Yeah. Um, on the uh, premise that an angry Dabo Sweeney is a vengeful Dabo Sweeney and that a really motivated Trevor Lawrence who hasn't played in a month comes out ready to burn, uh, I think Clemson's going to bury Pittsburgh. Clemson is giving 24 on my line. I don't know whether, Sully, if you've got the same, but uh, I like Clemson to win that game by like, 
four or five touchdowns. Uh, I'm also taking a big line. Georgia, 21 and a half over South Carolina. The Gamecocks are dead in the water. JT Daniels gave the dogs life last week, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna keep it rolling. Give me give me the dogs. I have had some luck in the Big Ten on my locks of the uh, week. There have been some strange lines, and that they haven't been strange lines that have backfired. So I am going to take uh, Northwestern minus thirteen at Michigan State, and I fully expect that to be a fourteen to nothing game if they do cover the the, the spread. But I just feel like Michigan State is in that like just sort of spiral of, of despair at this point in their season at, at one and three. And you got Northwestern, which is, you know, having a historic year. I, I think when the, when the playoff stuff comes out on, uh, on Tuesday night, we'll, we'll really see some, some juice behind Northwestern's ranking. I feel like the AP has undersold them some. So again, if Rutgers can move the ball on Michigan state, Peyton Ramsey should be able to move the ball on Michigan state. And I just don't have a lot of faith in Michigan state scoring many or any all right i'm gonna take michigan giving two and a half against penn state some kind of some kind of uh lost and torturous soul put this game on abc (laughs) at noon (laughs) but look michigan is way better than penn state michigan now has Cade mcnamara as their quarterback you get rid of the joe milton experience my prediction is Cade mcnamara leads them to victory four victories the rest of the season. I want to put a prop bet on this. Huh. They will not beat Ohio huh. State. They will win the next two games. They will win their little crossover challenge game. They'll win a bowl game. You're getting Harbaugh back. They're going to be six and four at the end of this thing. This kid's a pretty good player. This is I'm banking it all on this. Uh, do I need to remind you that you have picked Michigan at least twice and been dead wrong? We got this, this they year? got Kate now. They got Kate. Okay. I was going to go Liberty. I was going to go Liberty trouncing Kate. UMass, but UMass screwed me last week. Actually, they did. <laughs> <laughs> FA, you screwed me by Liberty six and one against the spread this year, I think. So that might be the play. Hey, but look, go ahead with your Michigan. Bet that Liberty game. The UMass defense was better, but it was mainly because of the, the terrible effort by FAU. And then my other prop bet last year was UMass wouldn't score. And this is why you don't gamble. They scored on a block punt safety. <laughs> right. They got two. <laughs> I mean, they didn't cross right. midfield the rest of the game. Okay. Right. So this is why you don't gamble, because I was like, UMass ain't gonna score. Well, yeah. yeah, they did. Yeah, block punt. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Uh, anyway, forget that. I'm taking Michigan. They're going to beat Penn, Penn State's bad. Penn State's bad. Michigan is is not good. That's the nicest let's, thing let's, I can let's say. Let's make that clear. <laughs> BYU, <laughs> BYU is I the only say. team that's leading Liberty against the spread. So, I don't know. Might be messing up there, Dan. Yeah. You're right. You're right with the, with the Flames. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, I'm taking. I'm sticking with Michigan. I mean, I don't. Whatever. I'm taking Michigan. Whatever. All right. We'll be back Sunday to overreact to all of this. We hope you all have a very, very good Thanksgiving. Stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you guys. We are thankful for our audience. Isn't this the kind of like cheesy thing? Cheesy thing that like people say. Yeah. No, that's good. We can uh, be cheesy for a minute, even us <laughs> cynical bastards, and say we thank love you, you for listening. We love you all. Even the ones that write us hate mail. <laughs> And hate listening. We really are thankful for the ones who know our souls and send us like obscure news stories on Twitter yeah, right, that, right. that they know would, would, would slide right into our uh, right into our uh, podcast. They are humor. my favorite. They're like, I just want to make sure you're you're aware of this. Yeah, uh, someone's right. trying yeah. to the, the bush, someone's trying to bush dog brew. Somebody sent yeah, us that. This yeah, week, someone's you know. trying to slice a like, monkey head open to make it even smarter. <laughs> like, yeah, thank you. I'm glad that you read that story and thought of me. I appreciate. It. <laughs> My impact on the world is complete. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Everyone have a better week. I hope everyone comes out of this week in a better mood than Dabo Sweeney. Maybe we all do that. Talk to you later.